Well, I want to welcome everyone. And um, I thought I would offer some words of, of reflection first and then meditate. So today I actually want to talk about self-reflection and how crucial it is to the path. And of course, I'm sure that all of you use self-reflection. It's pretty natural given what the Buddha taught. And it's one of the great things about having a human birth because we can actually look at our own experience, uh, reflect upon it and make better decisions, choices about how to live and how to train ourselves. And of course, this isn't, um, self-reflection isn't just in Buddhism. I mean, we have the famous quote from Socrates, you know, an unexamined life is not worth living without going too much into detail about what was going on for him at the time, just thinking in general about how important it is to, to really look at our life and we, and we do it in different ways, or maybe you could think of it as different degrees of scope. So we have the Buddha's teachings to his son Rahula that demonstrate a pattern of self-reflection about our thoughts and words and actions. When it, you may know this sutta, it's from the middle-length discourses, and it gets number 61 maybe, um, but it's, it's that time when the commentary tells us that Rahula was probably about seven years old at the time. So shortly after he came to live with the Buddha, with his father and the monks. And it seems pretty obvious from that discourse, many of you I'm sure know this story very well, but it's pretty obvious that Rahula, little Rahula, told a lie and then the buddha came to see him at his kuti at his hut and talked to him about the importance of truth and um, how the holy life doesn't mean much of anything if you're willing to tell a deliberate lie in fact you can't trust someone who's willing to tell a deliberate lie for any anything but then he talks about how we should reflect upon what we are going to say or do or even think, you know, like the thoughts we put energy into, we think intentionally, not the ones that just pop into our head out of who knows where, karma, um, whatever. But the, but the thoughts that we actually choose to think, that. Before we do it, we should reflect on whether it's going to cause harm to ourselves or others. And he said, if it's going to cause, if you think it's going to be harmful, then don't do it. That's pretty simple, huh? <laughs> I just heard from someone not long ago who was really dealing with some choice that was very tempting, but somewhat but unwholesome. And he, he was talking about this at a Baigiri and um, he said he was so 
he got so much help from uh, Jen Yanico because he just said, don't do it. <laughs> that was his advice. And he's like, wow, that's really great. Like, yeah, there you go. Um, so we can tell ourselves, you know, like, don't do it. And, um, and it's, and it's correct and helpful. And then the Buddha said, while you're speaking or acting or thinking about something, reflect upon whether it's causing harm for yourself or someone else. And then if it is, stop. And after speaking, acting, thinking, you look back and you think, was that harmful in any way? And he said, if it was, he'd only talked about speech and, and bodily action in this case, not thought. But if for speech and bodily action, then if you did something harmful, you go to a senior monk, a good friend, and you confess it and determine, make the determination not to do that again. So this is a really beautiful practice that we can all do. And it's at the level of our specific, you know, individual actions. And, but then there are other levels of self-reflection or reflecting upon our life, reflect upon our livelihood, for example. You know, those kind of bigger pieces reflect upon our relationships and how we are showing up in them. And, you know, how we might show up even more um, kindly or, or more ethically or, you know, with more generosity, for example. It's another kind of level or scope of our self-reflection. And then there's the scope of reflection on our growth and development, on our development on the path, our purpose in life. Um, I knew a young man, I call him young because I'm old now. <laughs> he was approaching 40 and he said, I'm having um, a midlife reassessment. <laughs> Of trying to avoid a midlife crisis. <laughs> and I think it actually works, you know? I mean, I think a crisis often comes because we've been, you know, consumed by or focused on or caught up in um, life flowing along without having really taken stock maybe for some time. And it's easy to do. And, and this is where we intersect with Socrates a bit, you know, he's like, if you're just following along, doing what you're told, you know, what kind of life is that? Is that worth living? And if we think about, you know, what makes life worth living? I mean, I don't know where you're at with it, but the conclusion I've come to is it's, it's the development of the mind. It's following the path. It's awakening. That's really, that's really what makes it worth living because everything else that's good in life comes, follows along with that. It's, it, it comes automatically. 
And that's also what we carry with us when we die, the development of the mind, the development of our character and our karma, the turning of our karma, karmic stream more and more to the wholesome, more and more to what's good. So that's kind of the, the biggest scope, you might say, lifetimes. And of course, this is not about a self-identity succeeding somehow. This is about letting go of that self-identity and really seeing that we're um, part of something much larger, these choices that we make in this lifetime, in this present moment. Have a have a resonance and impact reverberation that uh, that is worth directing in a positive way, a way that's helpful and hopeful and bringing good more and more good and not contributing to the hatred and greed and delusion of the world, but contributing to its its opposites. So there are ways that self-reflection can sort of be beneficial or not. And it's good to always think about, well, what are the potential kind of pitfalls or gotchas when we look at any practice? And so one of the things that I think is really important, having um, engaged in self-reflection that's both beneficial and, and also the other side where we're actually beating ourselves up. <laughs> this, is, this is not a good thing. It falls into that very first category of well, thinking in a way that's harmful. And then, you know, like telling ourselves, don't do that, <laughs> don't do that. So it's like bringing kindness to it, doing this self-reflection in a way that's kind and um, supportive. And of course we find things we wanna correct, but to really see them just as uh, things we can improve and correct, but have a lot of reflection also on the good, the, the things that we're doing that are positive and the things that we, are, that we have in our life and our experience that are blessings and, and really, um, wonderful and there's you know in in terms of self-reflection there's also ajahn cha's quote at least what i've heard that ajahn cha said he said don't focus on other people focus on yourself on your own behavior he said 95 percent of your of your focus should be on your own behavior and not on that of others and that five percent of course we can use that in a positive way to see what's beneficial or not, what's wholesome or unwholesome in the way other people are acting or speaking and, and realize immediately, this is something that Ajahn Panyawato said, immediately turn it around and ask, do I do that? How am I doing that? Um, and to really be willing, open, even eager to see where we can make improvements not to beat ourselves up but to really thrive to really develop the mind and 
um, I like that because a lot of times we can see what's going on when we look at someone else, when we can cut through our own delusion by first seeing the behavior in someone else and then turning around, and really seeing it in ourselves. And then that's where we can make the correction. We don't want to waste time complaining about other people or the circumstances of life. Um, we need to be well aware of them, but then always looking at what we have control over, our own thoughts, words, and actions. That's what we can control. That's what we have agency over. So we want to put our attention there, but in a way that's wholesome. Another way that we get sidetracked or caught up is by thinking we already know. I mean, sometimes that's a coping mechanism or a strategy to protect ourselves, but it's actually terribly um, detrimental. If we've got the idea that, oh, I know it already, we're not going to see what we're really doing. And sometimes even when people ask questions, they're not real questions. They don't really want to know the answer. They just want a validation for their views. And if we see ourselves doing that, we want to really just drop it, drop this kind of idea and and go back to some you know like much more willingness to actually see more deeply because if we're still suffering there's still things we don't have the right idea about and and so this is the this is always the gauge this is why the buddha really talks so much about you know using suffering as the is the flag, the red flag that helps us recognize that there's more to learn. There's something here that I, that I need to adjust. Because regardless of what happens to us, there can be a lot of pain. And there can, there can be um, a lot of challenges. But we don't have to suffer. That comes from some misunderstanding of reality so when we when we notice that there's dukkha then we have an opportunity and if we hold it that way like okay i can experience this from the perception or the position of the dhamma and that's really what it's what's key all of these kind of levels of scope of self-reflection we want to you know well how does the dhamma inform this or how can i see this from the perspective of dhamma until that's the only way we look at things you know it's not it's not through our greed hatred and delusion but through the lens of dhamma Self-reflection has a huge place in just about everything um, on the path. And without it, we're 
um, lost. And without the, the willingness to find out that we're wrong or um, see our see where what we misunderstand or see our, and acknowledge our faults we are really stuck we can spin for a long time without making much progress if we are unwilling to be vulnerable really to um not not necessarily um making ourselves vulnerable in ways that are unwholesome or, or dangerous, but that vulnerability to, to recognize, to admit that we don't know, or that we're, um, you know, still experiencing dukkha. We're not, we're not fully awake yet. That's okay. That's, that's the, that's the way through to really accept um, seeing ourselves as we are. And then bringing that kindness and compassion to take care of ourselves, to be understanding, to be kind, to be um, supportive of ourselves. and let go of the past. So we can use the past to, to learn and that's enough. And then like Ajahn Ganha says, just cut it off, cut off those thoughts of the past. And I had that question in my mind about whether our way of thinking increases the negative karma of what we've done in the past. And, Ajahn Gunn has said something like that. It's like you just keep it going in your mind and it and it it keeps it alive and keeps it kind of building up. And we're more likely to have problems with the same thing in the future. So take Ajahn Brahm's method, acknowledge, forgive, and learn. And just drop it. So those are some thoughts. Um, how we can how we can use this amazing capacity of the human mind to look at ourselves and what an integral part it is, what a tool it is for our growth and development. And we don't have to be so dependent on other people when we are you know, uh, well-practiced in self-reflection. When the Buddha talks about how we can become independent of others in the Dhamma. So to know the Dhamma. And of course, that knowing directly is actually comes with the stream entry experience. You know, to really see the Dhamma and not have any doubts about it. So for all of us, that's an important, that's an important um, hmm, focus. Like if we, 
if we feel we have doubts about the Dhamma, to really dig deep into opening to fuller understanding. Make ourselves available for those insights to arise by practicing the whole Noble Eightfold Path, every aspect of it. Sometimes it's useful to ask, okay, what's the weakest link for me right now in the Noble Eightfold Path? Which one needs some bolstering or more time and attention? And uh, continue to provide the, the right nourishment for our mind, for our life. Regardless of our age, regardless of our situation, these are things we can do. And of course, I'm speaking to people who are already interested and know a lot. So this is um, meant as encouragement for, for all of us. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.